Hi, I'm Monica. And I'm Emma. Welcome to Fanfare, in which cultural luminaries invite their dream guests to dinner. Before we get into the show, can we make a brief detour into my closet? Always. Well, we've talked about this before, Emma, but fashion is like cooking. What? No. Well, yes, it all comes down to the ingredients. Oh. Yeah. When your essentials are solid, you don't have to own a zillion things. Nor should we aspire to, for obvious reasons. You don't need to have both sweet and hot paprika? Is that what you're trying to tell me? I don't think you do. And that's why I'm so excited that our sponsor for season three is Cezanne, a sustainable Parisian brand that nails the essentials. And this at a surprisingly accessible price point, given their commitments to quality and to eco-friendly business practices. Mm, they're a B Corp, aren't they? They are. Visit sezane.com to see what I mean. Jump in the star. Na, 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 na. Here we come again for a new episode of Fanfare in what's turning out to be a very musical season. Welcome. We hope you've poured yourself a cup of ambition and are ready for some fun because our imaginary guest today is, well, you guessed it, honey, country music legend Dolly Parton. Ooh la la, am I ever excited. What an incredible life Dolly has had, and she is still going strong at age 77. But let's start at the very beginning. Born the fourth of 12 children in rural Tennessee in a one-room cabin on the banks of the Little Pigeon River, Parton is a self-professed country girl from the Smoky Mountains. Dolly wrote her first song before she could actually write it down at age just five, yes, like Mozart, and her first album, Puppy Love, at 10, around the time her uncle brought her to sing before a live audience for the first time. It was at this moment, Parton says, that she knew what she wanted to do for the rest of her days. Dolly got her first big break when she was asked to join the Porter Wagner Show, a syndicated musical variety show filmed in Nashville, Tennessee from 1961 to 1980, where she started out as his kind of sweet assistant doing duets and then slowly but surely made her mark as a solo performer. But Dolly Parton has never forgotten where she comes from. In fact, she often puts her resolve down to her upbringing. Parton's father, Lee, was a sharecropper who eventually tended his own farm and worked extra construction jobs to supplement the family's income. Despite her father's illiteracy, Parton has often commented that he was one of the smartest people she has ever known in regards to business. Her mother, Avi, cared for their large family, making up games and, quote, Smoky Mountain stories to entertain the kids. Her 11 pregnancies, the 10th being twins, in 20 years made her a mother of 12 by age 35. Process that for a second, Emma. Oh my gosh, I feel like such a slacker. Dolly also credits her long-term success through six decades of show business to a piece of advice her mother once gave her. Always keep something back for you. Well, we've both been binging Dolly content, and she seems truly to be the kindest, most well-brought-up, dignified, and self-possessed person. In a now infamous 1977 interview with Barbara Walters, where Walters quite ruthlessly presses her about her physical appearance and, quote, hillbilly background, Parton replies with a smile at the fashionably dressed Walters and says, I don't want to be like everybody else. I always say that I would never stoop so low as to be fashionable. That's the easiest thing in the world to do. But I'm very real where it counts. And that's the inside. All these years, she continues, people have thought the joke was on me, but it's actually been on the public. I know what I'm doing and I can change it any time. But I am sure of myself as a person. I'm sure of my talent, and I am sure of my love for life. 
I'm very content. I like the person that I am. Oh, I love that. That reminds me of The Code of Many Colors, that incredible song about refusing to be ashamed of poverty me or of too. where you come from. Yeah, it's she's good. She's good. And even deeper than the famous big blonde hair and big boobs and major outfits, and despite forays into acting, very successful ones, and her incredible philanthropic efforts, Dolly Parton has donated millions to causes like education, animal welfare, and COVID-19 vaccine research, and even theme parks in her name. Dolly says that she is primarily a country singer-songwriter at heart, in it for the joy of performing and the love of the sound. A prolific songwriter, she's written over 3,000 songs, and she actually wrote the two classics, Jolene and I Will Always Love You, on the same day, Monica. That was a good writing day, she told Bobby Bones in a 2017 interview. (laughs) My mind is officially blown. Well, joining us to host Dolly is another great writer. Texas-born, LA-based journalist, stylist, and creative director Laurel Pinton covers fashion, lifestyle, and culture for a number of magazines. And on her witty and instructive style and identity-themed substack, Earl Earl. Laurel began her career as associate beauty editor at Teen Vogue and style editor at Lucky Magazine before becoming fashion director of The Coveteur, then style director at InStyle. She is currently style director of By George. That's a lot of editing. By George. I can't wait to see what Laurel's wearing to dinner. Let's let her in. Hi, Laurel. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, I'm very excited about this. As are we. Well, let's start right in. So tell us, how and when did you first discover Dolly? I I was wondering because on the wonderful podcast, Dolly Parton's America, they talk about everyone having their, quote, Dolly Parton woe moment. Yeah. As in, like, the moment you realize her utter greatness, even though you've heard her songs on the radio all your life. did, Did you have one of those? I, I don't think I had like a specific moment. I mean, I grew up in Texas, so I was always kind of surrounded by country music and the country world. My dad is, he's Venezuelan actually, but when we were kids, we would listen to a lot of country music in the car with him. We, but it was like Johnny Cash, Tammy Wynette. We listened to some Dolly, but not a ton. I think it was when I was in high school, maybe, that I first became aware of her as something more than just like a parody of what country music is and the whole country world. I really fell in love first with her aesthetic. Like I loved that she, like I have a real soft spot for people who like choose a lane and stick to it. Like Dolly, Pamela Anderson, Paris Hilton. I'm only thinking right now of like blondes who kind of fall into like the stereotypically cheesy camp, but I just really like people who do their thing and like stick with it. And um, she, to me, is kind of the paradigm of that. So when I was in high school, I was aware of style and aware of fashion, but like not as something that would be a a lifelong interest. But I just really loved her shtick. And like, I loved reading her quotes. I started reading her book. I loved her music. 
I just like kind of always stayed interested in her and people would start sending me stuff about her and it kind of became like a thing about me loving her. I love her music, obviously, but I really just, I love her as a person, kind of like you said in the podcast, like everyone, everyone has something about her that they can relate to. I think as a business person, she's really interesting and strategic and I'm, I'm paraphrasing this, but like when Whitney Houston died, I remember Dolly said something like when she heard Whitney Houston sing, I will always love you. It was like, she knew that she had really wit written that song for Whitney. And it was like, God was speaking directly to her or something like that. It was just like, she's just so gracious. I'm curious to know, were you in high school in Texas as well? And where in Texas? Uh, so I grew up in Austin, but no, I okay. went to boarding school actually in, um, in Massachusetts from sophomore year on. Was liking Dolly a popular choice? No, not really. I was like a, so I went to like a kind of typical New England boarding school and not a lot of Texans go there. So when I, when I got there, people were literally like asking me if I had a horse, like the kinds of things that it's just so ridiculous. And this is, you know, way before social media, way before anyone could find out anything about you. So, so yeah, like being a Texan was weird. Being into stuff like that was kind of weird, but I was also like one of those kids who leaned into being a little bit weird. Yeah, it was not, it was definitely not cool. The music that everyone was listening to when I was in high school was like Jack Johnson and like Nora Jones and <laughs> Dispatch and like all these weird Boston bro bands. <laughs> okay. And did you dress in the Dolly Parton style? No, but I did dress. I tried always to be very creative with how I was dressing. So I didn't, I didn't dress like everyone else either, but I definitely, I wasn't dressing like Dolly. I always have loved sequins and sparkly things. But I know not, I wasn't like a, a pageant girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And do you have a favorite Dolly Parton song? I will, her version of I Will Always Love You is one of my favorites. I walked down the aisle at my wedding to, um, from here to the moon and back. So that one also, I have a soft spot for, I love nine to five. I really love her cover of, I don't know if this is the name of the song. Don't think twice. It's all right. The Bob Dylan song. It's like, the most beautiful, the most beautiful thing ever. So that's another favorite. But yeah, I mean, I think her version of I Will Always Love You, it mm. just like kills me. It totally kills me. It's funny how many people think Whitney Houston wrote that song. Well, she's such a prolific songwriter. Yes, she is. And you know, her book, I, I'm i the queen of starting books and not finishing them, especially memoirs. But like her book is so well written and so interesting and like, it's totally not surprising because she's a great songwriter. It would make sense that she's a great writer, writer. But yeah, she she is super prolific. And I think like other people, she's very generous about other people covering her songs. And I think her covers of other people's songs are always really beautiful. She's just an angel. <laughs> she is. Her songs are so moving, I find too. In that podcast that we mentioned to uh, Dolly Parton's America, which we will definitely link to in the show notes. The first episode is called Sad Ass Songs. And I multiple times almost cried during that episode listening to one of her songs. And I think what's incredible is that she grew up listening to incredibly violent songs about the abuse of women. And it was, mm -hmm. if you listen to that episode of that podcast, you'll get an idea of where these songs come from. But essentially, songs that kind of seem to glorify the abuse and murder of women almost just for the fun of it were like the folk songs of her childhood and there was nothing strange about that to her initially but then she started writing songs from the woman's point of view and other people did this too but her ability to put herself in their shoes and to create this emotionally resonant music from that other perspective 
really was groundbreaking and was a big part, I think, of her early connection with audiences. Yeah, I think so too. The songs that my I grew up listening to, there was one Johnny Cash song called Delia that my dad and I, we, I mean, we listened to it all the time and had never really thought about it, but it is about like tying up and murdering your wife. It's exactly that same kind of thing. And you, you I think as any young woman, you grow up hearing these ideas about like, that just gives you kind of an overall sense that your life is disposable and your perspective is disposable. And like one of the qualities I, I love, I love reading and I love writing. And one of the things that I really admire in writers is an ability to put that like Sunday sunset kind of melancholy feeling into words in a way that's really concise and conveys exactly that sort of like loneliness or whatever the feeling is, something that's like super intangible. And I think that through her music, she's really, really able to do that. And especially I Will Always Love You, like the words are so simple, but she totally captures that feeling of like leaving behind something that's unhealthy and taking your own life into your own hands. And it's just, it's a really, I mean, obviously she's super, super talented, but like, it's such a rare skill to be able to put something so abstract into words that are so simple and succinct and like that anyone can feel. But then I also thought like listening to the podcast, taking all of that into consideration, how much she doesn't immediately identify herself as a feminist and kind of like the whole strategy behind her not really wanting to identify too strongly with any one thing, any one political ideology and anything like that. And just kind of trying to remain an influence to like basically everyone. I think that that on the one hand, like I want her to come out because I being a fan and believing the things that I believe, I feel like she aligns with my beliefs, right? And like, probably, maybe she doesn't, but like, you want her to come out and be more vocal about it. But I think like also being an independent woman who grew up in that era, having to forge her own way, having to make her own living and like to remain truly independent, she has to kind of say the thing without actually saying the thing. Well, totally. We were talking about this and we actually had a question for you later on about this subject, but I feel like we should just get right into it right now. You know, we kind of see Dolly as this like almost unifying force of a divided America. Like she kind of, her fan base is so far flung and wide ranging. And I was wondering, do you think that she purposefully, you know, she would, for example, let's take the feminist thing. She's not going to go and self-identify as a feminist. It sounds like I'm putting it down to some sort of business strategy, which I'm not trying to, but she doesn't want to alienate anybody. But I think it is a business strategy. I think it is like, and she talks about it and she is strategic and like, she doesn't want to alienate any of her fans. And I think she, from like a, like politics, not like government politics, but from like a political standpoint, it is really interesting that she's able to garner this mass appeal with every, literally every type of person and, she gives everyone what they want from her without ever having to identify with anything. Like, I don't, I can't think of anyone else in the public eye who's able to represent so many types of things to such a diverse group of people um, and maintain popularity. So I think from that perspective, it's like, it, she's super interesting. But the year Trump was elected, I think like 20, in 2016, my husband, we were living in New York and one week he was like don't make any plans this weekend this is like the most romantic sweetest thing anyone has like ever done ever he's just the best but he he was like pack a bag I'm not telling you where we're going and we got to the airport and I found out where we were going I can't now I can't even remember what city it was but it was in the south and we got there and we spent a whole day wandering around and I was like oh this is nice he took me to the city okay cool and then he was like the real reason we're here is we're going to see Dolly Parton and we had like 
like third row center seats, like so close to her. My phone is still full of all of my pictures from that. But like just looking around at the people who we were sitting near, this was a few months after the election and there were like lesbian chicken farmers on one side of me and like a super conservative couple on the other side of me and like just all different types of people all around me. And she alluded to things being hard in this moment when she was on stage, but never came out right and said anything against Trump or against the political situation. And so I definitely, I'm, I'm reading into it and I'm projecting what I, what I want her to stand for onto her, I'm sure. But it was like super interesting to both of us my husband likes her because I like her. He's not like super, super into her or anything. But we were both like, I cannot believe all the different types of people who are around us right now. In my Tennessee mountain home, life is as peaceful as a baby's In my Tennessee mountain home, Emma, true or false, one of the best things about parties, including imaginary ones, is playing dress up. True, true. True or false, our current clothing habits are one of the biggest contributors to climate change. Miserably true also. Which brings me back to our season three sponsor, Cezanne. Not only are their clothes so timelessly chic that you'll want to wear them over and over for decades, possibly centuries to come, but they are made well, both from a quality and from an environmental standpoint. Cezanne is a certified B Corp that sources organic textiles, ships in boxes that are either 100% recycled or sourced from sustainably managed forests, powers all of its stores with renewable energy, and has managed to reduce the carbon footprint of one garment by 17.2% over the last year. Plus, the clothes are dreamy for a Tuesday morning or for dinner with your dream guest. Visit Cezanne.com to stop browsing. Right. I mean, she's just sort of transcends these subcultures and political infighting and everything else. But we were kind of wondering then if you were speaking to a person who is brand new to Dolly Parton, like has never heard of her, what would be the takeaway? Like, how would you describe her cultural contribution? God, that's a really good question. For me, the main thing more than anything political is just like the feminist aspect of her the, like that takes a lot of money to look this cheap she knows she's kind of a joke and she plays into it she's totally in control of her own image nothing has ever been taken away from her she represents this idea of hyper femininity from a visual standpoint but she's also like an intellectual in her way and she represents i think a really old version of Americana filtered through this like hyper contemporary cultural lens where she's like super relevant, super current. Every, all of her songs still are relevant today. Like she just kind of, in my opinion, transcends everything. It's like the same thing from the, from the thing. It's like, she transcends everything about Americana. It's like old and new conservative and liberal. Like it's, she, she touches on everything. I just think that like, she's, I mean, I sound totally obsessed with her and like, it's not like I drive around (laughs) listening to her music all the time or like my house is covered in like Dolly Parton posters or anything. But I just think like, with the exception of like Michael 
Jackson, maybe. I, I can't think of very many other contemporary pop culture figures who have such a broad appeal and who've had such a wide influence on our culture as a whole. And like growing up in, you know, I grew up in Austin, which is a liberal town, but it's Texas and being surrounded by the South and being part of that, like having some a female figure come from that background and maintain popularity globally in a music genre that until recently was not like popular at, or wasn't like mainstream at all. It was very niche and like uncool mm. to like country. I just think she's like, she's such a unique figure. Right. Yes. Well, it's interesting that you should mention Michael Jackson because with fame so often we can identify with a person's work and really love it. But then once you start scrutinizing the way they actually behave in the world, some pretty scary things can be revealed or at least things that are disappointing and upsetting. Whereas with Dolly Parton, it almost seems as if the closer you look, yeah. the more astonished you are by the depth of her goodness. Yeah. And it's almost as if by wearing this kind of fake or blonde bombshelly or cliched or kind of fully stereotypical armor, she's forcing us to confront our biases. She's like, I look like something and you're gonna judge me based on that. And then you're gonna hear me. And the disconnect between what you see and what you hear is gonna force you to question everything. <laughs> and it's like, she does that just by, yeah. I think that's really true. And I think like one of the other things that's so amazing about her whole like strategy of celebrity is how how much we see about her and then like you said the deeper you dig you see all the things about her like book donations and dollywood and all of the charitable work that she's done it's not on the forefront of her but at the end of the day like her husband is very private her relationship is very private like what you see is exactly what you want what she wants you to see it's so controlled <clears throat> and she's like really been able to avoid any kind of scandal i think about the rumor of her having like butterfly tattoos all over her arms. It's like, we will never know because she doesn't want us to know. And it's like, I think it's just very admirable also for a woman to be able to be so successful without ever having to, you know, reveal more than she wants to reveal. And she's like, like I said, she's com just completely in control of her own image and everything about her. I'm in this like hole right now of rewatching old seasons of Succession while I write at night. And like, I just keep it on kind of in the background. And last night I was just watching an old episode and there was this part where this is from like season three or something. Jerry, the lawyer on the show is like, I've been very successful because I've avoided mess. And I think that that like, that really struck me when I saw it on the show. And I think that it applies here also. Like she has really carefully crafted this public persona. That's exactly, it's like, it's just what she wants. And then she's able to maintain a private life. Like you never see pictures of her out at the supermarket or you never see anything of her that you don't, that she wouldn't want you to see. But again, yes, like the more you know about her, the more amazed you are. And if you just take her at face value, it's like big tits and sequins, like, okay. But she's actually like an icon. Then you find out that she helped to fund the Moderna vaccine. Yes, uh, totally. That last year, Jeff Bezos gave her $100 million and asked for her to give it away on his behalf because she's a better philanthropist. And are her philanthropic efforts something that you've known about her all along? Or were you surprised to learn any of this, Laurel? I didn't, I definitely didn't know about it when I first got interested in her. It wasn't until like I started existing more on the internet also. Cause like when I, when I'm talking about high school, I mean, I graduated high school in like 2004. So it was like, I wasn't online. I, I just knew what I saw, but the more I started learning about her, yes, the philanthropic aspect of it, I aspect of her whole life, I found super, super compelling. It's like she, you take her at face value, exactly like you said. And then there's just so much more there. And like, 
the image of her getting the Moderna vaccine and she's wearing a very dolly look, just like with a little cutout here, I thought was just like amazing. And I keep going back to like the strategy of her persona and how she's crafted it. But like, I think that to me, that's one of the most interesting things about her and then her music and her work and her image and her looks and everything is what's endearing about her. So it's like, she's interesting to me and it's like very endearing at the same time. And that's like why I continue to be kind of struck by her. Yeah. So my, and just coming back to this. So we obviously talked about how, how Dolly doesn't self-identify as a feminist. She's held up as a feminist icon and specifically sometimes as one of the pioneers of what is called third wave feminism. Mm -hmm. Um, When asked about this on Dolly's America, she said she did not identify with the word, but she does see herself as living out the principles of feminism. Also, we must note that Dolly the sheep, the first cloned sheep, is called Dolly because it was cloned from a mammary gland and the male scientists thought it was cool to call it that. So then Dolly kind of was like, joke is on you and invited the sheep to live in Dollyland. Get that off our chest. So to speak right up front, this is how I look. Of course, you're going to notice it. Like she doesn't, I mean, she lets people make fun of her, but she kind of nips it in the butt in the most genius way. Yes. She makes fun of herself first. So then it's like anything anyone else could say about her totally takes the sting out of it. And like in that you realize like someone has to be so smart to be that funny and to be that on top of the narrative and like to be like that quick and that like... Like you can make fun of her, but at the end of the day, you're like, holy shit. Like that's, that takes a lot of brain power to be that, like, to be that on top of it, which again, to your point, Emma is like, you look at her and you see just sequins and big boobs and big hair, but then you're like, oh my God, she's, maybe she's a genius. (laughs) Yes. And she's coming. She's coming soon uh, to our dinner. So where are we having this dinner? Laurel, like, should we, do you think we should have it in LA or do you want to have it in the South? What do you think? Oh my God. When I was working at Glamour and like occasionally in my previous life in magazines, there would be like a sparkle of a moment where we might be able to interview Dolly or like get Dolly for something. And my name always came up as the one to interview her. And I was like, no fucking way. Like there is no way I can meet this woman. Like I will, I will not be able to like function. I'll just start sweating and like fall on the floor. So the Mm -hmm. thought of actually meeting her terrifies me you're gonna hide you're gonna hide during the dinner you're gonna be under the table (laughs) I don't know I I feel like it would have to be I would like I it would have to be like over zoom I would have to be in bed like I would have to have a clonopin before I would be hyperventilating but like in a fantasy world I would be at Dollywood and just be with her in a nice place but I like I I don't know some somewhere calm and ideally with animals around. So like when I get nervous, I could pet an animal. Oh, that's a good way of making us all feel a little bit more comfortable. Okay. Animals around on her turf. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I would not want her to come to my house. No. Okay. Fair. Fair. I would maybe bring my kids because kids are disarming and like they're cute. So maybe it would like make me feel less nervous. Okay. I would just be so nervous. It's an all-ager. I like it. Yeah, kids and animals.
They're showing a lot of florals right now, so I was thinking I could florals? do for spring. Groundbreaking. We also need to figure out what we're going to wear, uh-huh. which is like, obviously, there's a lot of pressure on that. But before wardrobe, maybe we should talk about hair and makeup. For myself? Like, I love, but, but, like for all of us, but can I just say I love your hair. I love your oh, short thanks. cut. Thank you. Tell, tell us about your hair and makeup regimen. You have, Your skin is wonderful as well. It's glowing. Well... Thank you. It's through the filter of the computer. Yes. And even through that filter, you manage not to look... Everyone in here... Not you, Emma. I look kind of gray. you can say it, Mon. You look really fresh. You don't look great. I live in LA. I'm like beach mom. I'm outdoor mom. I have the world's most high maintenance hair, which like goes against everything else, I believe. My hair is naturally like very curly and very, very dark, but I... Really? I like it short and... um, when it's short, it needs to not be puffy. So I do like a whole st- like keratin thing to it. It's not looking, it's not doing the thing today because I had to blow, I had to be somewhere quickly yesterday and I had to blow dry it. Normally it has like a little bit more zhuzh than this. Yeah, so we do a keratin thing to it. So I don't really typically have to blow dry it. Um, and then I get it highlighted and get it cut like every 35 seconds. I have to get it cut all the time to stay this short. Short hair is so high maintenance. People don't think it is, but I don't like the feeling of hair on my back or on my shoulders. So I just keep it really short. Emma and I are so hairy. We just have hair up for, for, if you're listening at home, we can see all of each other's hairstyles uh, on here on Riverside. Well, I'm also picturing, I'm also thinking of Dolly's hair, her like beehives and the yeah. Yeah, five Yeah, but she, that's a wig. So underneath there, I like, God knows what's going on. But like, I don't like having long hair. I don't like my kids like sitting on it or putting their elbow on it and like pulling on it. And I am such a practical person aside from it being high maintenance. I'm like, just get it off my mm. body. You guys have this like beautiful, long, wavy hair. When my hair is long, it's like puffy. It's like if someone took a cotton ball and just went like this. There's a lot of child's drool in my hair. Yeah. At all times. (laughs) Same. But you have a baby. So like you're in a totally different phase. Mine aren't drooling on me anymore, but. um, Maybe one day my hair will be clean. How old are your kids, Laurel? (laughs) Three and five. Oh, mine too. Oh, no, wait, hold on. I just lied. Two and a half and five, but almost. So were we bringing all the kids or just Laurel's kids? I know. I was wondering that. How many kids and pets are we talking about? Oh, wait, you guys are. I didn't realize you guys were at the party with me. That makes me feel much better. Oh, we're coming. We're coming. <laughs> if it's one-on-one, me and Dolly, like, I'm not I'm not doing that. But if all of us are there and all of our kids are there, that's fine. Okay, so we've got six children. Yeah, six children, a sheep. We've got six children. Got Dolly the sheep. I think we're. it's going to be... We don't need Ambien. No. No. Okay, well, what are we going to wear? I'm wearing what I wear every day so that I don't feel weird. I'm wearing, like, jeans and a button-down in my jean jacket. I'm wearing, like, Wrangler's and a Wrangler jacket and like yeah. this button down and my necklaces. Because if I, I feel like if I get dressed up or try to like be Dolly, she's just gonna be like, mm, that's cute. But like, if I am wearing jeans and a button down, like I can get on the floor and rub the sheep or like play with the kids. And I don't feel, I, I just would wanna feel like as me and like as comfortable as possible. Mm. So I'm wearing my uniform. That, that also like really speaks to what you were talking about earlier, which is someone who just leans into their own personal style for their whole life and isn't like running around following trends. You know, you do you. I love that your uniform involves jeans and a jean jacket because first of all, that's one of Monica's major uniforms too. And she comes by it, honestly. It's known, I'm not sure if you're aware, it's known as a Canadian tuxedo. Have you ever heard of this before? (laughs) 
I have, but I, where I'm from, we call it a Texas tuxedo. What? <laughs> it's the right. universal tuxedo. I love it. It's the universal tuxedo. It's the international tuxedo. Yes. <laughs> the casual tuxedo to make a relaxed tone of the evening. I mean, I, I'm kind of very partial to that idea. My only thing is I was listening to, oh, she does this great interview that I think she did during the pandemic where, well, she's speaking to camera, but speaking to someone from Wired, they're like, what is Dolly's favorite color? And she's like, white. I just love a white dress. I feel so fresh and springy. And, I love that. And I thought it's true that there's something so pure because she wears a lot of color, but apparently Dolly feels best in a white dress. And I was thinking about what a lovely summer look, a sort of white or off-white cream dress I might wear my cream dress from La Collection but you know what I'm projecting like yeah. maybe I'll be a little overdressed I don't know guys maybe I'll wear flat sandals with it that works I like that what about you Emma what should you wear are you gonna wear a sequin dress please there is a really good one on Cezanne right now <laughs> I would not mind a sequin or a rhinestone I was picturing so I watched nine to five last night and I was actually cackling to myself it is so funny I'd never seen it before it's I love so the song, good but I'd never seen the film and I would like both my outfit and the dinner to be inspired by nine to five. So I really like the Jane Fonda looks, the kind of like high necked, frilly, long sleeved button up tops with the A-line 60s-ish, sometimes buttons up the front type totally. of skirt with like a little cardigan, not always worn entirely with the arms in. You need like a bump it for your hair too. Right. The hat that she wears and Lily Tomlin's yeah. character's like, yes. we're going to need a locker for that hat. <laughs> Which I love. It's such a good movie. It's such a good movie. And I stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition, and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping. Out on the streets, the traffic starts jumping with folks like me on the job from nine to five. Working nine to five. Bon appetit. For anyone who hasn't seen it, I am going to describe the feast. So essentially what happens in this film is there are three women who work in an office and they're cogs in a, in a huge machine and they are totally undervalued and underpaid and not listened to and perpetually being grossed. As and, per the lyrics. Of right. The song. And asked to fetch coffee when that's not their job, et cetera, et cetera. And initially the three kind of mistrust each other. Jane Fonda is the new girl. Lily Tomlin is the one who's in charge of everything and who's never being promoted. And then Dolly Parton is the assistant to the boss who everyone thinks is having an affair with him because that's what he says but she in fact is always you know standing her ground resisting his advances etc the three become friends when all three of them reach kind of a breaking point with this awful boss who's a real bigot and not not very good at his job anyway they all have a drink together and then lily the lily tomlin character pulls out of her wallet a joint that her son has rolled for her she's a mother of four children and her like really lovely son who's helping her fix the garage door is like, mom, you just need to smoke some grass. And she's like, no, no, I don't do that. Anyway, he puts a joint in her wallet. She and Jane Fonda and Dolly Parton all go back to Dolly Parton's house and smoke a joint and have fantasies <laughs> about killing the boss forever and then super stoned they like have this massive feast and Jane Fonda is like rolling on the floor and they're like you're stoned and they're all of these you know the film is from 1980 but it's kind of set in like the early 60s and the idea of these three women one of whom is a mother of four who are all dressed you know extremely properly and they're just high as kites and they're eating southern barbecue and there's like a tub of cottage cheese on the table and Lily Tomlin is just eating green 
green olives going, oh my God, these are the best olives. And they're all just having <laughs> And Dolly Parton's like, I just ruined my diet, but there's nothing better than barbecue. And they're having this incredible feast. So I think if we were to make a spread like that, al fresco, with all, because all the kids are involved too. So we'll need a bunch of random but things. That- if the kids come, can we smoke a joint? Yes. Or- <laughs> <laughs> TBD. I will. You I, will. Yeah. Okay, good. I think the spread should definitely be the spread from nine to five. Yeah, we need cottage cheese, olives, barbecue. I'm down for that. If it's that though, maybe we don't need the kids, but like I do enjoy a nice like edible day, a light mm-hmm. edible day with my kids around as long as I don't have to drive. It's like, there's nothing better. Yeah. I mean, it really like, again, it really chills things out. Dolly also talks a little bit in interviews about her own cooking. She loves making what she calls down-to-earth, home-cooked, you know, Southern food, like her mom and her grandmothers made. She says, it doesn't look pretty, but it's good. Um, I, I, I love that she takes the time to cook. This is not something I knew about her. You are expanding my Dolly verse right now. Well, I was quite amazed because she really does. And she says that her favorite food is potatoes and she never met a spud that she didn't love. So we got to make sure we've got oh, potatoes. Mom. Yeah, now my favorite food is potatoes. Thank you. That was a close miss. Your favorite food is potatoes too, Laurel? Well, now it is. Now it is. <laughs> That's Dolly's favorite food. Yeah. Uh, mine is after a joint. <laughs> yeah, right? Okay, so we should have at least three kinds of potatoes, right? Sure. Like a cold, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. so we should do some like small boiled potatoes that we can serve cold with olive oil and lots of salt and pepper and some chives and mustardy dressing, like a kind of, you know. Yes, yeah, something that's like kind of refreshing when we all get caught in mouth because we're high. Right, exactly. So it's not a potato salad because I am terrified of mayonnaise. Sorry, it's a problem I have, but it's like a vinaigrette one and still cold or room With like capers in it. Yeah, there can yes. 100% there can be capers to go with those amazing Lily Tomlin green olives. I actually, I can't cook at all. And like, I don't know, I don't know what goes with what, but that's, I imagine that like, Cold vinaigrette potatoes and capers sounds good. I'm not a very good cook either. Emma's our, our cooking lady. She's an excellent. Well, I don't know that I'm excellent, but I'll I'll be doing all the taters. So, okay. So we'll do the cold potato or room temperature potato dish. Should I also make fries? I mean, who doesn't like fries? We need. We definitely need fries, like double fried, super, super, super crispy fries. Yeah, double fried. Okay. I would also say like tater tots. Oh, tots. Well, especially if the kids are coming. So then we need four kinds. Oh, if we're doing latkes. Okay, five kinds of potatoes, latkes as well. Because I feel like we also need a mashed potato. With sour cream. Wow, mashed potatoes. Or baked potatoes. Well, I was thinking we should do like a gratin, like a layered scalloped potato situation with butter and cheese. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Okay, that's very fancy. I do enjoy like a baked potato bar. Like we're almost like a taco bar where there's all the different toppings and you can like Decorate your own potato. I've never had one of those. Oh, well, welcome to Texas. That's like a thing. I need to go to Texas. I don't know actually if it's a Texas thing or if it's like a my house when I was a kid thing. But like, yeah, you have, there's like bacon bits and chives and sour cream and cheese and butter and whatever else you would want to put in your baked jalapenos. We put a lot of jalapenos and you like design your own potato. Monica, don't you remember the jacket potato places in Scotland? There was one called Rotato. 
No, I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. And anyone who's ever been to a pretentious fashion dinner in Paris has been to Caviar Caspia where they go. This is ridiculous. I can't believe this is coming out of my mouth. Dolly's not doing that. No, no. Yeah. Dolly's, Dolly's doing baked <laughs> potato bar. She's doing like, fri- like honestly, she's doing like Frito pie, baked potato bar. Yeah, she's not going to be in Fried chicken it. ribs. Could have like cucumber salad, tater tots. Yeah, I like it. And maybe like, like yams with like marshmallows on top. Oh, I have an idea for dessert. There's this crazy dessert that's called a peanut butter icebox pie that I used to get at this diner in our neighborhood. And it was just this like amazing cold cheesecake-esque phenomenon on a graham cracker crust. And it's served out of the freezer and it's just with like a a layer of chocolate and some serious peanut butter cheesecake-esque filling. That sounds great. (gasps) I'll have that. That sounds right up her street. Okay, so we've got the menu ready. We've got our looks. Um, Are there any topics that we need to be like avoiding I feel like she's pretty open but what do you think I think she's pretty open I'm quite shy and so I would avoid just because I'm shy asking her anything too direct about her personal life unless she starts talking about it first just because of like that whole idea of her staying so guarded and like you only you get what you get and she's not going to give you anything else like I wouldn't ask about her husband I wouldn't ask about like I, I don't know not unless she goes there first it's funny that you both said she's open because she's she's notoriously private, but I see what you mean because she's also, she's open in the sense that she doesn't bite anyone's head off for asking. She just says that's personal. You know, she's very good at politely declining to answer. So many interviewers over the years have asked her, frankly, quite rude questions and her way of handling them is just so impressive. And she doesn't bite their head off, as you say, but she doesn't even like, she manages somehow not to make them feel uncomfortable yeah like she's not gonna eviscerate someone for going there but like I would just be so terrified of like I know she wouldn't ever be mean but I would be terrified of her and her head being displeased right we just want her to have a good time as well well she really does unto others like she upholds the golden rule every time and so we must do the same yeah we must strive to do the same we must do the same but it's hard to imagine what you would talk about and do because like as much as like as much as we know about her we don't actually know anything about her like i i feel like if it was it's a terrible example but katie perry it's like okay well we kind of know like we can what we can talk about and joke about and like she's out there in the world but like adult i have no idea we just know she's been married to the same man called carl for like 50 years yeah and i would want to know how to make that work I mean, can you imagine? That would be the ultimate dream. I imagine Carl is like my, like in my head, he looks just like my Texas grandpa. Like there's pictures of him. He's like, there've been, he doesn't look like my Texas grandpa, but like he is that man and is like so stoic. But I would love to know about that and like how they, how they do that. And that I would have a lot of questions about, but I would be afraid to ask. Mm-hmm. We mustn't ask anything that a dolliologist would ask. And also it's really fun to say dolliologist. <laughs> dolliologist. Yes. I honestly think I would just be too nervous to speak the whole time. I might just like get high and like get couch lock and stay in one place and like rub a sheep the whole time. <laughs> Maybe you'll sing. <laughs> but you'll Maybe be you'll listening. you'll express yourself through I, song. I won't sing. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, ma'am. But if she starts singing, I might cry. Mm. When, like when I was listening to the podcast, I was pregnant with my second kid and I was like walking, this was right before the pandemic. And I was like listening to it and walking all around New York. And like, I loved New York. I loved living in New York. I loved being out and about. And like, I walked everywhere and I always listened to podcasts and I would just like walk around the city and listen to her talk. And because I was pregnant and so hormonal and emotional, I would just like cry openly listening to this podcast. Mm. Like I can't listen to her say 10 
10 words without crying. Yeah. Like if I sit and think about it, like I also, I mean, I cry if I don't like my lunch, like everything makes me cry, but like, <laughs> I just think she's so beautiful and so angelic that like, it makes me cry. No, I hear you, Laurel. I was crying listening to this podcast and I am not actively pregnant at present. I'm not pregnant unactively either, but I yeah. think that <laughs> I'm not passively pregnant. <laughs> I don't. I hope this dinner doesn't make you cry. No, it will. It definitely well, there'll be would. tears of joy. Oh God, definitely. There would be tears of joy for sure. But like, for sure, I'm crying the whole time. So like back to the makeup, I'm not wearing makeup at all. Like I, I'm not wearing anything. I am crying the whole time. Maybe we need sure. to do it next to a cold stream that we can jump into if things get to be a bit much. Sure, that works. <laughs> or I can just like, like I'll just like float in a stream with my face like barely peeking out, just like like ugh, the whole time. Like I would be so excited, but also the thought of it makes me so nervous. I'm sweating right now, honestly. I'm sweating <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> There's something that I forgot before we say goodbye that we definitely need to serve as part of our dessert. Can you guess what it is? It's Hello Dollies. <laughs> what are Hello Dollies? Oh my gosh, what are Hello Dollies? It's a cookie. I don't know about this cookie. Okay, Hello Dollies. I picture them as, it's kind of like an everything cookie. Oh. Here, actually they're squares now that, now that we're talking about it. <laughs> Hold on. Hello Dolly bars. Graham cracker crumbs, melted oh. butter, condensed milk, chocolate chips or white chocolate chips, sometimes coconut. Yeah, they're like an everything bar. Okay. This is like totally blowing my mind. I didn't know. I don't know anything about her food. To be honest, like my interest in her is like, like I haven't seen all the movies. I haven't seen all the things. I've like read a lot about her and read a lot of interviews, but like I have, like I, I'm, my mind is blown about Hello Dolly's. I've never seen Hello Dolly. I've never seen the best little whorehouse in Texas. Like I'm a bad Dolly fan. I'm just like obsessed with her. She makes me so nervous that like a lot of the stuff I like, I, <sighs> There are certain things that are I know are going to be so good that like I put off for as long as possible. And like a lot of these like Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, I just feel like I'm going to feel so weird. And like how I'm just a nervous person. You're saving them. You're saving them for the right. I don't know, just to be totally clear, I don't know that Hello Dollies are named after Do Dolly Parton specifically, but I do know that her first album... They're named after, I just, it's in reference to the Broadway musical Hello, Dolly. Right. And that she, her album, her first album was called Hello, I'm Dolly, which I love. She also occasionally, I think like every Christmas does like a, I think it's Williams and Williams Sonoma, like cookie collaboration, or there's like a brand that she does like a box of cookie mix that are like their Dolly cookies that my, my friends always send them to me. But I always just save the box because I've never made them because the box is so cute. Have you guys ever listened to a Holly Dolly Christmas? Yes. Pretty festive. I have a feeling we're going to play that, aren't we? <laughs> Link in the show notes. There's like nothing that makes you happier than her music. And like, I love... Nothing. And sadder. I love Casey Musgraves. Like, I just, I love all of these like country gals. Mm. I love country music so much. I do too. I, I do love too. It. I listened to... Casey Musgraves the whole time during the pandemic to the point where like, I almost can't listen to it now. It's so triggering. It really like carried me through. And I want to, oh no, she's saying there was like that. This is like a completely different topic, but there was the um, like digital concert that Lady Gaga put on at the beginning of COVID and Casey Musgraves sang that song. I think it's called Rainbows. I have to like double check what the name of it is, but it's such a beautiful song. And it reminds me so much of a Dolly song. And she sang it like very pared back. It was like just kind of her and her guitar. And like, I am having 
chills now thinking about it, but it was a moment that was to me very Dolly-esque where it's like this person, like she's very obviously, she's politically very liberal, socially very liberal. She's a, like a pothead and she stands for all of these wonderful things. But singing this song that like so many people can relate to in the most stripped back way and the lyrics are super stripped back, everything is just like concise and to the point and really beautiful and universal. And it was like a moment where I felt shivers of Dolly. Well, the sky is finally open. The rain and wind stop blowing, but you're stuck out in the same old storm again. You hold tight to your umbrella. Well, darling, I'm just trying to tell you that there's always been a rainbow hanging over your head. I'm getting emotional now, too. We better go dry our eyes. Yeah. Sorry because... if I ruined your... Well, I guess it's evening for you. You did it. Yeah. You You're ruined wonderful. nothing. <clears throat> and we, yes, we all need to get ready to say hello to Dolly. Oh my God, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not. <laughs> so... <laughs> Laurel, thank you so much. This deep dive has really opened my eyes to a whole other side of Dolly Parton. Oh gosh. Thank you guys me so too. much for having it really me. Has. This was really, really, really fun. And it's so nice to meet both of y'all. Thank you. It's so nice to meet you and have a wonderful day in LA. Bye. If you're a fan of Fanfare, please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You can tell your friends about us too by sharing our episodes on your social media accounts. And if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, you can email us at fanfarefanmail at gmail.com. We'd like to thank our producers, Matt Bentley-Viney and Joel Grove. And thank you too for listening. See you in two weeks. See you next time. That's all.